Welcome to the Court to Corporate Podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at courttocorporate.com. Court to Corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Court to Corporate. Today, we have fellow HBB fam, Matt Frischilla. So fun, not so fun fact, Matt and I actually already recorded an entire episode, and my computer thought it would be fun to crash immediately after Matt finished his last sentence. So um, super thankful that Matt is back, A, um, because he had some great insight to share, and B, um, you're a real one. Like, thank you for taking the time again. Not sure how many people would, would run it all the way back. So thank you for joining us. No worries. It should be uh, easier the second time around, I hope. Exactly. No, it'll be a good one. So let's get started. I want to start with your background, growing up in a sports family. Um, I won't spoil the details, but no, like tell us about that and how that's kind of shaped where where you are today. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I grew up around you know, the game of basketball from a young age. My dad was a college basketball coach for a long time. Uh, now he works for ESPN. And my brother and I played growing up and we're around my dad's teams. And then we're just around like a a really cool, you know, basketball environment with all the different places that the game's taken us. So um, it's kind of just been in my blood since, uh, you know, since I can remember, I think I was born and put a basketball in my hands and been that way ever since. So um, yeah, it's been awesome just growing up and especially now that I'm coaching, just having a a mentor and my dad and, and my brother to kind of just, be able to talk, uh, you know, basketball with people that have done things that I, you know, I hope to do one day. And, um, it's cool to have that just in your family. No, that's awesome. Um, and so, I mean, talk about how that kind of led you throughout your actual playing career. So take us back to like, when you were thinking about where you wanted to go, obviously you wound up at Harvard, but your brother played at Oklahoma, I believe. So like, what were you thinking about yep. during that time? And, and what made you land on Harvard? Because the program, when did you start? Like, when was your freshman year? You were two years ahead of me, right? So 2013. Well, 2013. Okay. One yeah, one year. Right. And so they had just, you know, started that winning streak um, that you were a part of as yeah. well with the championship. So kind of tell us about stepping into that program. Yeah. Um, I knew, like, when I was in high school, I was, um, you know, I was a good, a good high school player. I was, you know smaller so I was a little undersized so I wasn't you know getting you know the recruiting looks that you know I might have gotten um I was a little more physically gifted but um I knew like at the end of the day I wasn't you know my aspirations weren't to be a professional basketball player I wanted to I knew that I wanted to use basketball as a tool to um you know get a good education and so when I was trying to evaluate colleges I um you know, really looked at like, where can I use that? Like, how can I use basketball to get into a great school that will set me up for success after I finish playing? Um, and so I didn't know if that was going to be, 
you know, early on in my high school career, I didn't know if that was going to be, you know, division three or really small, but like really high, highly, um, academic school, or if I was going to maybe try to walk on somewhere like my brother did, um, or if I was going to, you know, and then I just kept improving and started getting, you know, a couple of looks from the division one level. And when I realized that the Ivy league might be a place where I could end up, um, you know, I went to Harvard's camp. I went to camp at Columbia. Um, I went to different camps on the East coast. So, um, I kind of really got into the, you know, into learning about like, what, what is it going to take to get into a school like this? Um, how can I, one, you know, try to play my way into get, getting recruited by them, but two, what's it going to take academically? Um, and so from that point, I kind of, you know, I was really, uh, I guess, proactive with my recruitment. I was reaching out to people, um, finding out, you know, different information that I would need. I was reaching out, just kind of staying in people's heads just in case, you know, they weren't thinking about me. I wanted to make sure I was on their radar. So I, I was just really proactive with reaching out to coaches. Um, and so, yeah, and then from that point, I, uh, some things fell into place and I ended up being able to go to Harvard, which was, uh, you know, such a blessing. Of course. So tell us about your four years and the type of role that you had. I always admired, um, I guess, I think it's really special when you can see that um, a teammate or an, an individual is leading from afar, right? Like going to the yeah. game, seeing you guys play, especially your senior year when you were injured, you could still see that yeah. like you had such a significant role in the team. Um, but I mean, even before that, like kind of tell us about the culture of Harvard basketball, what you stepped into. I know Tommy was a big mentor for you. So kind of take us into that experience and what that was like. Yeah, I, I, uh, my freshman year, we, uh, we had a really good team that year and we had some seniors, uh, that were, you know, kind of the guys that, you know, built the program, I guess, from, from the start, they were the first couple of the first ones to really buy in and before Harvard had become, you know, what it is today. So those are the guys that really took the leap of faith uh, and joined coach Amaker and, and bought into his vision. So when I showed up and they were seniors, so it was, uh, it was really important to them. And I kind of picked up on like just the culture and the habits that they had. And um, it was really cool to learn under guys like that, Laurent Rivard, Brandon Curry, Kyle Casey, uh, D Geiger, guys like that, that, that were kind of like the guys that kind of started it all, which was um, so cool for me to show up and be a part of a great team. But uh, so, yeah, so that kind of meant, you know, playing time was, you know, uh, hard to come by. And so I kind of had to learn, um, you know, how to impact the team in different ways. And, on that team, like I didn't necessarily have to be a leader, but uh, I got to watch guys before me, um, you know, and how they handle things. Siani Chambers was, you know, you know, is now one of my best friends, but you know, kind of became a mentor to me. So um, watching guys like that and kind of being able to learn from them kind of helped me as I got older. I got to be a junior and senior, uh, where I was in that position where I could, you know, take young guys under my wing, you know, teach them what it was to be a part of Harvard basketball, what it takes to. Uh, you know, not only win championships, but just kind of like play up to the standards that we set for ourselves, um, you know, regardless of results. So it was uh, awesome to, you know, be a part of that, to say that I had some kind of impact on it, um, even even not playing as much as I would have liked. And then, you know, getting injured, just finding ways to help the team uh, that wasn't necessarily on the court. Um, just, you know, taking on more of a leadership, a mentor, uh, uh, you know, teaching role, uh, which is, you know, obviously kind of how I got into, um, 
you know, deciding that I wanted to coach after I was, after I graduated. Right. And I was just going to say like, that's exactly what you're doing today. And like you laid that foundation while you were in undergrad, but would love to, um, would love to hear like how early on did you think that you wanted to pursue coaching? Because, um, I, you know, in undergrad, you um, did internships like at the Cowboys um, and other yep. ones as well. So can you kind of talk to us about that? Like, what were you navigating at that time? What were you considering? Um, and how did it all come back to, to coaching as the path that you thought like, okay, like this is it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I showed up to like when I got to Harvard, I kind of got wrapped up in, uh, you know, kind of you just kind of fall into doing you know following the crowd doing what everyone else does so i show up and i'm thinking i'm gonna major in economics i'm gonna go work on wall street you know make money um just because that's kind of what it seemed like everyone did you know or go consult do consulting um so that was you know when i got there i was like oh i'm i'm at harvard i should probably use this degree for something like that so as i got you know as i went through the process and i saw all the things that people were doing um you know i kind of switch gears a little bit. I thought I might want to work in sports, um, you know, maybe a front office role, things like that, that I could, you know, start working my way into. So yeah, so I worked for the Cowboys for summer. Uh, I interned, you know, I did uh, work at Nike. Um, I worked with, you know, different um, companies with like camps and stuff. So I worked at Under Armour with Steph Curry. I've done, you know, camps all over the country. So as I, I think my junior year was the first time other than like as a kid, I always kind of you know had the coaching thing in me just because of my dad. But my junior year after I got hurt was kind of what um, pushed me to you know lean toward coaching a little bit more. It was you know just being out and you know having that. I mean, our, our coaches at Harvard and you know really everywhere. I don't think players realize like how much work goes into you know coaching and putting together scouting reports and just the hours and hours of film that they're going over. So as a player, you're like, oh, we're going to show up in practice. We're going to show up and play. But, you know, so I don't want to say that I took on an assistant coach role because those guys just, they grind. And I I wasn't doing that necessarily. But, you know, just being able to be on the sidelines and, you know, pick their brains and ask them, you know, why we do certain things. And they were they were really receptive to me, you know, coming to them for um, things like that just because they knew I wasn't playing and I, they knew I wanted to coach. So they kind of opened their doors to me. Coach Amaker was awesome with that, um, just being able to come in and talk to them about different things, um, why we do things a certain way. And, um, so that kind of like was what helped me, you know, push me toward coaching. And then, yeah, my, after I started working all those camps before my senior year, that was kind of my way of getting face to face with a lot of people. Um, even if they didn't have any jobs for me, just having those connections, uh, that they had met me, that they had seen me work their camps. They knew that I was going to work. Um, even if they didn't have anything for me, it was helpful just to have them, know who I was, be able to put in a word for me and then just build some, you know, connections. Some of my good friends that I have now in the, in the coaching industry I met that summer. Um, so it's funny how it works, like just being intentional about um, setting yourself up for success in the future, just by working hard, like being in the right place or finding the right places to be and the people, the right people to be around um, and then just doing a good job with whatever you're tasked with goes a long way. Yes, I actually want to take a step back. Something that you mentioned that I really relate to is um, kind of breaking the fold or 
um, the set path that you see and whatever's whatever's around you, right? So you mentioned like yeah. a lot of people come into Harvard, they do they major in economics, they go do consulting, they go do finance. And like, even for me, like, I feel like I'd get like weird eyeballs when I said I wanted to do marketing. I'm like, is this really that out of line? Like, you know, like, I didn't know it was that crazy. So um, I totally relate to that. So I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. So what did that mean for you? Like, how, how are you realizing that, like, A, this wasn't the right thing for you? And then like, B, how'd you find the confidence to do your own research and like do your homework and figure out what was for you? Because I think that's the second step once you have that um, confidence in that first piece. But can you talk to us about what that experience was actually like? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just, as I went through the process more and, you know, went to networking events for, you know, finance or consulting, things like that. Um, you know, I, I realized like, is it about, you know, doing what like looks good to the outside or is it about, um, finding something that like really fulfills you? And it sounds cliche and kind of corny, but, um, being, being here at Villanova, like one of the things I've learned, uh, that coach Wright, you know, preaches really well is like, don't let, the outside world set expectations for you. So like mm. live, like live up to the things you set for yourself. So I decided like, and, and those jobs are like really, really important. And those people like they grind. So I have like the utmost respect for them, but like finding something that I realized, like finding something that I was going to really like love showing up to work every day um, was, you know, I, I realized that that was important to me. And some people realize it young, some people don't realize it till later on. Um, and some people are like, some people love that lifestyle and, um, it's definitely for a certain group of people, but I, yeah, I just, I knew like basketball was everything that I'd grown up on. It was, you know, kind of, I don't want to say how I define myself as a person, but it was such a big part of my life that like, it was hard to imagine like not being around it. Um, just from how, how much time I spent on it, like growing up around it with my dad and my brother, um, I realized like it was not something I wanted to be away from. So as I kind of like got over the fact that like it wasn't going to be, um, it was definitely off the beaten path. So I definitely get some, yeah, some weird looks when I, you know, say I go to went to Harvard and now I coach college basketball. Everyone's like, what? Like, <laughs> why did you go to Harvard then? Um, but like the stuff I learned at Harvard, the people I met, like my experience with not only like coach Amaker and the team, but just as a student and a student athlete there, um, like I wouldn't trade that for anything just because of like how, how many people I met that were, you know, that are, I'm, I'm so close with today, but also just like the learning how to, you know, grind through that environment uh, with the academics and the athletics and, you know, the travel, you're on the bus rides and all that stuff. It's, it's like some stuff that I wouldn't trade for anything just because of where it's gotten me today. Of course. Um, so the, the second thing that I thought was super interesting is that like when you go off the, the beaten path, um, <laughs> there's mm -hmm. not always, um, a set pipeline in place, right? So there's not yeah. an internship program for coaching that starts somewhere yeah. after your freshman year. There's not a pipeline, um, that's an internship the summer before your senior year that leads to a full-time offer. Um, which sometimes you also see in other industries like sports and marketing as well. So 
I think it's super interesting how you identified opportunities like um, Steph Curry's camp, Summer League, Nike. Um, can you can you talk to us about that? Like, were those your or were you thinking of those as like, these are my internships, like this is how I'm getting my foot in the door, no matter how big or small the opportunity is. But as you just said, that point of like being in the right place at the right time, this is what it looks like for me in this industry of coaching. Um, can you yeah. kind of talk to us about like your thought process approaching those two internships? For sure. Yeah. I, I knew I was going to have to get a little creative with how I spent my summer and, um, you know, going to these camps, like I would pretty much like make enough money to pay for my plane ticket that got me there. So I wasn't like in it <laughs> to try to make money off of it. Um, so I was just like, really, I guess after I got hurt, uh, my junior year, so this was like in November. Um, and I decided that, you know, I was just kind of, you know, leaning toward coaching. I, uh, I started writing a lot of letters, um, just to coaches around the country, people that I knew, people I didn't know, uh, just introduced myself. Um, and, you know, asking, Hey, do you have a campus summer that I could come work? I uh, would love to get on your campus and, um, meet you guys face to face and help, help out with your camp. And I just wrote that to, you know, 15, 20, 25 coaches. Are these hands uh, like actual letters? Yeah. Like pen and paper. Yeah. So I would hand, I would handwrite them. Um, if I had already, yeah, so I would either handwrite them or like I would print a, like print out a resume um, and enclose it with the with the letter. But yeah, I always thought it was like, and I I was I still do this today. I actually like really enjoy writing letters. Um, just to, I mean, it's it's always like very personal. Like when you open a note that someone took the time to write, um, and it addresses them, it talks about them personally. It wishes them well with their season and like or you know drops a personal connection. Like hey. Uh, you have my guy so and so on the team. I uh, hope you guys, you know, do well. So things that let them know, like you're not just sending the same thing out to, you know, 20 people. You actually took the time to think about him, like him as a coach, him, his program, his players, things that are like that he cares about. Um, that's you know where I think like you can really set yourself apart. And I do that today. Like I and I got a really nice, like we had a lady that came by our practice one uh, this fall and she and her family are really big Villanova fans. Um, they live in California and they showed up and I was, I was just, you know, I greeted them. I've toured around the facility. I talked to them, just made some connections that we knew mutual people. Anyway, so it was like a 20 minute interaction. And like a couple of weeks later, I got a letter in the mail from her and it was just like how thankful she was for the hospitality and like how much it meant to like interact with her kids and things like that. And like the fact that like she wrote me, I, I tacked it up on my wall just as like a reminder, like what your impact can be on people that, you know, you don't, you may not think is a big deal, but my point being like getting that letter was like really important to me because she took the time. She appreciated like what I did so much that she took the time to, you know, write out an entire letter and, you know, talk about, our experience and don't know this and that and it meant a lot to me so i tacked up on the wall just as like a reminder to myself like be you know to like be a good person to everyone you interact with um but i you know so yeah so I, that's why i write those handwritten letters and then yeah so i got some people that reached back out to me and um you know i ended up setting up being able to work camps at like northwestern with chris collins who played at duke with coach, or played at duke under coach amaker um with Will Wade, who's now at LSU, but when he was at VCU, he used to be an assistant for Coach Amaker. So, like, people that I was able to make connections with through 
the connections I had. And then some people that I had never met before that I reached out to and didn't, I didn't work their camp, but we like became connected and, um, you know, stay in touch with today. So yeah, Yeah. just, that was kind of just how I was intentional about like, what, how am I going to figure out a way to, you know, kind of get my foot in the door of some of these schools and some of the, you know, this industry as a whole. Yeah. So getting your foot in the door, um, I would love to hear again, because this is take two, um, we'd love to hear again, the story about how you got to Villanova and like all the initiative that you took and how proactive you were in that. Can you tell our listeners about that? Sorry, you clicked out. Um, can you say that one more time? Oh, sorry. Um, the story about how you like drove up to Villanova and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, yeah, I, I knew like Villanova was a place that I would love to be. Um, and so I was trying to think about like, how can I, yeah, again, the whole process is because there's no application, there's no, uh, you know, you'll hear back at the state and we'll give you an offer. We won't, there's like, there's really none of that for coaching. So it's like, how can you separate yourself, um, without any formal like process? Um, and so Villanova, you know, the big East, they play Providence every year. So they were playing at Providence and we had, I think we had practiced like early that day. So I had the night off. It was like a Wednesday night and I didn't have a car in Boston. So uh, I called my mom. Um, I was like, mom, how can I figure out how to get down to Providence? Um, I got kind of on a last minute thing. Um, so we looked at some options and I ended up, she set it up so that I could go pay to rent a car for the night. So I went to this hotel by campus. I, I rented a car uh, jumped in, drove down to Providence, um, figured out how to get tickets, and then um, actually figured out, like, someone I knew in the athletics department, like, was able to get me a pass to go down, like, in the tunnel. So I went to the game, watched the game. I think they ended up winning by, like, six. It was a great, great game. And then I went down the tunnel. I waited outside the um, press conference room for Coach Wright, and I had, like, 20 seconds to talk to him, like, in between the press conference room and the locker room. So I just reintroduced myself. I had met him before, but just reintroduced myself. I let him know that I'd sent him a resume back in the fall, and he said he got it. He actually didn't think they were going to have a spot for me, so he, but he said he was happy to help me somewhere else. Um, and then, you know, some, a couple this was in February, so then like two, three months passed, and, you know, ends up working out that, you know, I'm going to work for them. But, yeah, it was, I, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I think it was, you know, it showed that I was really – um meaningful about like i want to work for you i just drove down here i don't even have a car um you know <laughs> came down to see you guys and at least just like maybe i don't know again maybe i'd have to ask him i'll, I'll have to ask him next time i see him but if he even remembers it but um in my head i'm like all right well i showed him like i'm serious about this so just being able to like do those do the things that is just like totally happy hey, like to you know separate yourself from um the people that are doing just the status quo, I guess. Of course. So before we get into what your actual day-to-day looks like, what you're doing with the program, I do want to talk a little bit more color into like what your actual senior year looked like and how you were looking for these opportunities. So sounds like through and through, summer over summer, you were casting a wide net. Um, but what was this process like specific to coaching? Like what was 
your outreach? Who are you trying to connect with? What was the role of mentorship in this process? Like, can you just tell us about what that senior looked like for you um, and how it was managing that with um, a lot of timelines for other um, industries being so early on um, and how you were kind of navigating yeah. that and trusting your process? Yeah, that was yeah, that was definitely interesting. Just having friends that had offers in uh, October and November that were done with their job search. They knew where they were going. They knew what city they were going to be in, um, who they were going to work for. So knowing that my timeline didn't really start until April, because um, no one's really worried about April? graduate assistance. Yeah, so. Like I mean, April of your so senior year? Yeah. So oh, my gosh. They I were. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I know. So I, like, I, was, I was putting in um, effort before that. Like, obviously, I was, you know, reaching out to people, whatever, but no one in college basketball is really worried about hiring graduate assistants until they're over. Um, because there's so much other stuff going on that you're not concerned with next year, like who you're going to bring in. So, um, so yeah, so it's at, pretty much after team seasons ended, that's when I really was able to start getting on the phone with people. And so, yeah, so it was definitely a little, uh, I don't know, it wasn't nerve wracking, but it was definitely like a little anxious, like kind of like, all right, well, I can't do anything else now because I've already reached out to this person a couple of times. I've already done this. I've already gone to see him play. So now I kind of just have to wait until they lose <laughs> or they win, you know, at the end of the season. Um, so then that was when I kind of was able to start going, you know, and pounding the phones. But um, yeah, before that, I mean, um, I think like, our, and our coaches were really supportive of me because they, they knew I wanted to coach. They, um, like I said, they opened their door to me with all that stuff. So that, and then like being able to talk to coaches in the Ivy league or, you know, coaches that we were playing and just talk to them, introduce myself or whatever the case was. Um, I developed like some really good relationships with people, um, that, you know, were open to, and they were, I credit to them. They were open to like talking to me about things and, even though I was, you know, an opposing player, like, I think there's a respect for, you know, within the coaching fraternity, like that you see a young kid that wants to get into the business and you can tell he's passionate about it. You can tell, you know, he, obviously I played, um, so I know the game, you know, at the college level. So I think they understand, I think a lot of coaches like see that and they respect it. So they are willing to kind of be open with me. I think, you know, like Mike Martin who's the head coach at Brown, Steve Downey, who's at Penn, uh, who we now, we now play every year at Villanova as well. Those two guys in, in particular, and Kyle Smith, who was at Columbia, is now at Washington State. Those guys, like, were really, um, you know, I would see them before games. They'd talk to me, ask me how everything was. They knew I wanted to get into coaching, so they, you know, they would help me out in any way they could. So it was always, um, you know, like, I appreciated them uh, just being able to go to them during the season or after the season just for advice or for guidance or for a connection here or there. Um, you know, it's always great to have people that are looking out for you, uh, older people that have, that are doing what you eventually want to do. Um, and that kind of, like my, my dad always said, like when I was coming up and, you know, deciding I want to coach, like who, and it, I love this from him because this is his, you know, line, but, um, like who, as an individual, like who is your board of directors? Um, like get people that have experience with what you want to do that, um, you're able to forge a personal connection with and that you can kind of lean on like in times of dilemma or crisis or like if you're, you know, getting ready to make a big career move, who are you going to consult first? And I think, you know, I, I can think off the top of my head who my people are 
you know, some of them are peers who are my age. Some of them are head coaches. Some of them are people that are athletic administrators. Um, so I think just having like a diverse group of people that you can go to when you are, when like things are really on the line, uh, whether it's taking a new job or, um, you know, trying to get a promotion or whatever it is. I think just having people that you can really go to, like really, really go to like that you can trust and that, you know, will take the time to do it for you. Um, that's a huge thing. Just being able to have that built in for you. Absolutely. So tell us about your, you're going on year two, right? With the Villanova. Oh, uh, this will be year three. Year three. Sorry. Wow. Anyways, yeah, time yeah. just flies. Um, <laughs> so obviously you're a graduate assistant, got your MBA. Now you're a video coordinator for the team. Tell us about um, your experience so far. So like what types of roles were you ha- have you had um, and how has your work changed over the years? Yeah, so my first year, um, you know, I think the biggest adjustment was just learning, uh, you know, how things operated, like just on an overall level at Villanova, just understanding like the processes that the coaches liked, uh, how the players you know, handle things, how I was supposed to approach different topics. So that the first couple of months and then pretty much, I guess the whole first year was just like, everything was a first. So I was just learning, you know, so much stuff and it was kind of, you know, head spinning almost. Um, but, you know, you, you touch like as a grad assistant, you touch like so much, so many different aspects of the program, whether it's, you know, putting together recruiting schedules or, you know, making, I've just like randomly like taught myself Photoshop so I could make recruiting text outs to send to our assistants who could send it out to recruits, um, being able to cut up video and film, um, being able to work guys out, being able to, you know, whether it was driving people to the airport or, you know, ordering food for the team. It was just, you, you touched like every aspect of the program. So it's a lot, but it was really good just to learn like the minutiae of the college basketball world like how and definitely especially like I always try to think of things like if I was the head coach how would I do things so just being able to like understand it at the smallest level how everything runs um was really important to learn and then as I was here longer in my year two and now I'm the video coordinator in year three um just being able to handle uh and anticipate a little better um just like knowing what to expect from this is how this coach likes things this is how um, this is what's going to happen. This is what could come up on a road trip, like problems that could come up. So how can you anticipate and be ready to tackle them? So that's been like the biggest, um, benefit of just being here longevity wise. Um, but yeah, I think the the work itself, you know, I, I do more video breakdown, scouting, uh, evaluating like recruits, things like that on film. Um, so it's definitely more basketball heavy than it is. It's more, uh, narrow, like specialized now that I'm, I've been here longer um, and they, they can kind of trust my input on, you know, more basketball decisions. Um, so it's been like, that's been great. Uh, I do miss like some of the aspects of like, I, I, on the, by the NCAA rules, like I can't be on the court anymore working guys out. Um, oh, I, you know, I can, I, I can be a practice. I can do all that. I just can't like be on the court instructing or like rebounding or anything like that. So not like not being able to, uh, build the relationships with the players like I used to with that um, has been definitely the biggest probably adjustment. Uh, I just have to be a little more intentional about um, seeking those guys out and still kind of building that relationship. But um, yeah, it's kind of just evolved into what it is now. And, um, you know, year three, it's been obviously a great ride so far. Yeah. And so 
I, I wanted to ask this earlier. I think you touched on it, obviously, just from the standpoint of, like, you grew up in a basketball family. It's defined a big part of you and what has led you to what you do today. But I love to hear from guests, like, what is, what's the why behind why they're in their industry or why they're pursuing a set path? Um, and we talked about this in, in our first interview about how or, or the meaning behind like the coaching profession and like the impact that it has on so many individuals that have gone through the program that will come through the program. Um, so can you like give us a little bit of insight into like what what motivates you to do coaching and like do you feel like you're able to fulfill that? Going back to that idea of like you want to do something that you're passionate about. So now now that you're in your three, you're full time on the staff. Like, do you feel like you're able to um, live those things? Yeah, uh, I think like that was the thing that I had to decide when I was um, coming out of college. Is like, do I want to work in college or do I want to work in the NBA? Um, and deciding on college was. I think it was pretty easy for me. One, I just kind of knew it better. Um, like I was familiar with it. So that, that helped. But my relationship with coach Amaker was like a big, um, point to me, like on like the impact he had on me, uh, just as a leader, as a mentor, like how he shaped what was as a person was like really key for me. Like I knew going through my experience, I was like, I want to be able to have that same relationship with players. Um, and that was kind of what pushed me toward being in college. So, you get kids like out of high school and you know, we, we have great kids that all know this. So I love working with them. Um, and you're like really able to impact like who they are as a person, um, you know, a really impressionable stage, like 18 to 22, like you're helping them develop into like who they're going to be for the rest of their life. So, um, it's definitely like, you have such a big impact on them that I, I love that part of it. Like that's what I would trade. That's why I love being in college, um, you know, college basketball for just because, you know, the, relationships you can have with guys which is very authentic the nba can be like very transactional um guys are you know they're trying to get their contract and i I, that's why like i i just like a side note i was i hate when people are like oh he's just doing it for the money or this or that i'm like hey those guys like have x amount of years they can play basketball i don't mind anyone doing what they need to do for themselves like to get a bigger contract or whatever like teams are trying to make money. Coaches are, you know, winning. They're, they're trying to win, but they want to get their contracts. Everyone, you know, it's, that's just how professional sports is. And that's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So I just like, I think you can have more authentic relationships in college. Um, and, you know, now we're heading towards the path of like college players getting paid, which for the record, I'm also in favor of, but um, I think like just being able to have that impact on them as, you know, 18 to 22 years old, kids uh it's such a cool thing and that's why that's why i really love being in college basketball of course so can you tell us about like what does that path look like in college basketball um and like from from the perspective of of your career and how you're navigating it um honestly kind of like going back to the point of like there's not a set path to get to where you want to be which is obviously a head coach um, maybe for Harvard, yep. I'll throw that in there for you. Um, so, uh-huh. <laughs> so can you like, tell us about that? Like, what is the quote unquote typical path and how, but more importantly, like, how are you thinking about it? Yeah. And yeah, that's the crazy part. There's just so many different ways to do it. Um, yeah, eventually like, yeah, I'd love to be a head coach one day. That's the ultimate goal. 
Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, doing it nowadays, like typically guys that want to get into it from the beginning end up being graduate assistants or some kind of role like that. Um, which is what I did. And now the, like the path I could take would be like, I'm the video coordinator. Now, uh, every team has like a director of basketball operations, which is different at different places. Some places it's very like, um, still coaching heavy and you're still involved in all the strategy and all that stuff. In some places it's like, you're really doing just operations, um, travel meals, all that stuff. So, and it's like a, it's like really the key position in every program. It's not glamorous, but it's like so necessary. Um, the teams and the programs that have really good ones, um, you know, it's underrated, like how just having like consistency in that role, like you're not missing, you know, meals don't get messed up and travel doesn't get messed up and the players don't have to worry about like, are these guys on top of this stuff? So like, I, I like give so much credit to those guys cause they kind of make things run behind the scenes. Um, and then after that, yeah, eventually I don't like, I don't know what path I want to take. Like I eventually like I'll be an assistant coach where I'm able to be on the road recruiting and like being able to really coach guys on the floor and like instruct them and, you know, kind of develop those guys. And then from there, you know, just growing as a recruiter, growing as a coach, um, you know, eventually hoping to put myself in a position to be a head coach. But there's so many different ways to do it. You could move up that way, uh, you know, at a place like Villanova. You could try to become an assistant coach uh, sooner um, so that you can start developing those skills, you know, at a smaller school. So there's no set path. Uh, and then, some, you know, some people go to the NBA and then come back. So it's very random, and it's just kind of like personal preference. Uh, I think just like being a part of a – a program that does things the right way and like you know that obviously there's a winning tradition a winning culture um you know it's such a, a big thing because it, you, you soak up so much stuff and then people will just you know associate you with you know knowing you know being a part of it knowing what you're doing um so it's uh it's such a random and, and then every april you know you get calls for different jobs this that so it's just being able to evaluate like what's the best path for me it's a that's definitely the tricky part um do i want to you know do things a certain way or do it a different way it's just like every every uh decision you're making like seems like it's gonna affect the rest of your career so yeah. it's definitely uh <laughs> yeah. definitely interesting like having to navigate that but yeah i just don't i think like not getting caught up in like all right i'm i'm here now i need to make that next jump or else you know i'm gonna you know i think just like doing like being really good at what you're doing right now is like the only thing you can do. Um, and then the, the stuff will come like the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. You'll eventually get to where you want to go. If you like are really good at your role, you'll eventually get to the point where you want to be. And that's kind of how I try to look at things. I think, um, you know, when I was younger, I would be like, all right, well, I need to be here by this point. I need to be here by this mm -hmm. point. Now I'm, I kind of just evaluate like, Hey, I'm, am I getting better today? Like, am I getting better in my role? Am I like adding value to our staff? Like, am I helping our players improve? Uh, and if I'm doing that, like that's all I can really do. And like the rest, the rest of the stuff's going to come when it comes. So uh, try not to worry about that. No, that's really good advice. That's real. Um, so I would love to, I mean, actually we have a new segment, um, which I forgot to mention to you, but we're going to oh. do it anyways, but Last okay. question before we get to that. Um, you mentioned yeah. like board of advisors or, or board of directors. Um, yep. And you've had some great ones. So you've had Coach Amaker. You now are learning from Coach Wright. 
what what are some of like the biggest things that you feel like you're learning from them this early on in your career that you think would be helpful to share with others um you know that are interested in pursuing this uh career path yeah i think i mean in in college basketball today it's like just with how big you know college athletics has become with um everything that goes into it boosters and tv and media and all that stuff there's so much that isn't basketball um and so and you know recruiting all that stuff watching those two guys coach Wright and coach amaker they're both experts at um making people feel valued like with their interactions um and so like you just anytime you talk to either one of those guys they make you feel like you're the most important person uh you know in the room and so coach amaker like at harvard is like I couldn't imagine someone having a better blueprint for like how to build a program than he did. The people he's connected his players with, the way he's gotten people to be involved in the program, former players and this and that, getting professors to games, getting, uh, you know, celebrities and whoever, and, you know, governors and this and that, anyone he can get that wants to associate with the program, like he's getting them there. So like he being able to like just connect with people and like have that ability to, communicate and like make people feel valued is such like an important i mean it it transcends industries but it's such an important like skill to have um because you never know who you're talking to who they know um not necessarily for what they can do for you but just like you know you want to do it in general just just to to have like um just like you want that to be your character but um it's such a small world, like, especially in basketball, like you have no idea this guy used to coach this guy and, you know, he is this player in high school and you could, you know, there's just so many connections. So, um, coach Amaker and coach Wright, like they both are like that. And that's like one of the biggest similarities I see between them. Um, coach Wright is more, um, I guess a little more visible just because of the nature of, you know, the program he's at, um, and the exposure that Villanova gets nationally. Um, but, I think, you know, watching both of those guys just interact with people, they are so good at with people's skills and, like, um, effectively, like, communicating with, with different people. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would take away from both of those guys. Love that. Thanks for sharing. So, all right, so new segment, um, as just mentioned, and what we're going to wrap up with, it is the Court to Corporate Checkdown. So this is a new thing where we want our guests, as you, to give us your quick take on advice in and out the game. So I have five questions for you. We're going to go down the list. Yes. Cool. All right. So first one, what was the best season of your career and why? Uh, I think my freshman year, um, I was a part of like the best season in Harvard's history. Um, and even though I wasn't playing a lot, um, being a part of some really key moments in our program's history um, you know, was, was really special. I'll remember that like for the rest of my life. So, um, being on that team with those guys and the, the leadership we had and the, the big games we won and going to NCAA tournament, and, you know, winning a first round game, that was probably the best season. That's awesome. Okay. One thing to know about working in your industry or role. Just one. Um, yeah, there is no real time that you can like shut off. I think there's always, um, things going on i think there's things you can be doing and you can get called uh you know at any time of the day any time of the year to get stuff done and so 
just being able to be ready for that and anticipate that is uh, important. Love that. Okay, third one. Pick two role models on the court and one off of the court. Um, two role models, let's see. Uh, I mean, off the court, you know, I don't know. This is, this is probably cliche, but, I, like, I look up to my dad so much just, like, from – one who is as a person, like, and he, like, the way he came up, like, he grew up in Brooklyn and was only one of his seven siblings to go to college and, like, really, you know, uh, epitomize, like, what it meant to just grind and, like, get, you know, set a goal and, and make it come true. And so, like, I look up, I look up to him immensely just because of who he is as a person and, you know, the things he's done on the court. Um, I'm going to, I'm trying to think, I'm going to skip, Coach Eric and Coach Ray, because that's too easy, and we've already <laughs> talked about them. We've so, already covered that one. Uh, good. Yeah, I'm gonna say, uh, let's see. I think uh, I'm gonna say Siani Chambers um, is one guy I really look up to, even though he's he's only a year older than me, and he's one of my best friends now. But um, he was just like such a um, great leader, effective leader. Um, to just like coming in as a freshman and playing a ton and then just being able to show up every day. He was consistent, never had a bad day, never had a bad practice. Um, and then was just kind of like the calming influence uh, when things went wrong. So I'll say him as one. Um, and then my other one on the court, uh, I would say, let's see, I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Brunson, who's one of our players at Villanova, uh, kind of the same way. He was just like a machine with how hard he worked. Um, the level of energy and effort he brought every day um, to our practices. Um, and now, you know, the reason he's in the NBA is just because of like how, how good he is with attention to detail, things like that. So those are two guys that, and again, Jalen's younger than me, but I look up to him because, just because of like the yeah. consistency and like level of uh, intensity he brought every day is like, you know, really what made him kind of a legend. Yeah, no, people our age can, or like people your age can definitely be your mentor. Like, don't sleep on yeah. that. All right, last yep. one. Fill in the blank. My athlete is my advantage in my career because. Yeah, so, I mean, in my career, it's, uh, it, it, the easy answer would be you just have played and have gone through what the guys are going through. Um, so you can have, you, you can relate on that level. You can have empathy. You can have shared experiences and connections that way. I think just uh, another subtle one is, being at an Ivy League school, learning how to just manage your time and uh, effectively um, with being in class and then being in practice, that's another one that stuck with me. Just having to handle things on your own, like figure things out, um, that was probably the biggest thing that I learned from being a student athlete. Amazing. Well, Matt, thank you again. Take two. We ran it back. <laughs> this I think this one was even better. Like I love I this conversation. <laughs> no, this was good. Is so thank you so much for, for joining us again. All right. Thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple podcast, DM us or contact us on our website, whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives and more pro tips on the way.